This week on Up in the Blue Seats, New York Post Rangers beat writer Brett Sergalis and I team up for an interview with former Ranger and one of the toughest players in NHL history, my buddy Ty Domi. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats Podcast, a New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. If you're using Apple, rate the show five stars and write a nice review, please. New episodes are released Wednesday afternoon. Ron and Brett Sergalis team up this week for an interview with former Ranger Ty Domi. Speaking of Ron, here he is, the star of the show, number 10, Ron Dugay. Hi, everyone. How y'all doing? I'm uh, kind of uh, still doing my uh, daily routine. I'm in uh, Florida here, so one thing that's kind of opened up for us is that we can go to the beaches in the morning until noontime. So that's been pleasant. Uh, everyone's keeping their distance, of course. And uh, my new best friend is my bike. So I've been cycling every night, and it's kind of uh, taken me to another level of conditioning right now. I, uh, you know, of course, I like to play tennis, which I have not been doing, but I like to play hockey. So my legs are in great, getting great shape. And uh, and the one thing that when people ask me about uh, my thoughts on our situation, the one thing I share is um, what I'm doing is I'm concentrating on myself. And some people are starting uh, new hobbies, but more importantly when you think about a virus the coronavirus it's a threat yes but i think we all have an opportunity to do something about it and one of the things besides wearing gloves and the mask and all that is to be working on your immune system and to me what that means to me is habits right good habits bad habits what you eat what you shouldn't eat uh, getting your sleep uh, getting the exercise so those are all things that i've been doing i've always had a good immune system but i kicked it up a notch so i feel a little more protected so if i have any invite for anyone that's at home wondering what they can be doing. And I think that uh, concentrating on your health would be a good start because after this virus, there'll always be viruses out there and there's always going to be colds. So when you think about yourself and self-protecting, I think the idea of having a good immune system is a good place to start. So that's just me. Other than that, I look forward to uh, talking to Ty Domi today. Ty's been a longtime friend. Met him the first time at the China Club, which is a club in New York City back in the 90s. It was kind of the club that took over for Studio 54. And uh, I met them. I met Ty there that one night and he'll probably share that story and a lot of other stories because he has a lot to talk about. One of the uh, more um, celebrated guys in the NHL, him being one of the top fighters. So this should be a good interview. And first off, Ron, before Ty Domi, before you get to him, I know one, you have a stylish mask, uh, unlike mine, which is a regular gray, boring old mask. You have your number 10 Ron Duguay mask, so you've been rocking that strong. You've also been doing some cameos, giving out birthday shout-outs to people and other kinds of videos, so you have consumed your time with uh, doing cameos, or as you like to call them, skits, as you send them out to people. Yeah, I'm. Uh, this uh, it was introduced to me uh, just after the holidays, sometime in January, that I have an opportunity as a celebrity type to do a shout-out to people, and it's called Cameo. It's the Cameo app. A lot of celebrities are on there, and you can reach out to someone that you uh, you may like, could be an athlete, it could be an actor, actresses, whomever, 
But I've had people reach out to me almost every day and they're asking for something, whether it's a wish, a birthday wish, or say hello to someone or give advice about something. And so I've gotten creative at the house. So I take out my jersey, I have my stick, and I have a blackboard even. And I've been just talking to people, having a good time with it. So it's kind of, uh, it's been something to do. Plus, I think it's an opportunity for me to talk to people directly. So you can find me on Cameo. And who was the one person that you uh, shouted out that you actually called uh, Mickey before his real name? Yeah, sometimes I do it late at night, and and uh, I um, I didn't read the word properly. It's Mickey or Mikey. And when I did the video, I did uh, Mickey, and it should have been Mikey. And so I redid it. They have an opportunity on Cameo to ask for a redo, which I did, but I'm doing it now. I'm sorry for the Mickey. It should have been Mikey. So happy birthday. Shout out to Mikey. And then before Ty Domi, can you just let us know? Because I didn't even know about the China Club, really. And, you know, Ty Domi brings it up in the interview. I guess it was the transition from Studio 54 after that close was China Club. But uh, you'll hear about someone else Ron met at China Club who uh, had quite the voice, quite the soothing voice. Uh, But what exactly was the China Club as good as Studio 54? Was it like every celebrity would go there? What was it? I would say it was probably as good as popular. It's just that for me, I was in a different place. I'd been married. This is an early 90s. I'd been married. So I'd been settled down for about eight to 10 years. And um, and so I ended up in New York. I had separated from my wife. So I ended up in New York in this new club. But I was a different person. And uh, But I was glad to be there. And sure enough, I run into Ty Domi, who recognized me. And so we were talking and chatting. And he telling me how he had heard about me. And he's the new kid in town. And he wants to have fun. Well, sure up out of nowhere diana ross i had met at a hollywood party in in beverly hills i had met a year before but i didn't tell him she comes walking towards us and she goes over and she grabs me by the hand to dance and ty is there like oh my god all the stories about this ron Duguay are real and so i ended up on the dance floor we ended up dancing for a while until her daughters were there they grabbed her off of me and uh because she was actually married but her and i got really tight and close so anyways that's my beginning of my relationship with ty Diana Ross and the Supremes? No, it's Diana Ross and the Doogie at the <laughs> China Club. How about uh how about Ty Domi tells us about it next, right here on Up in the Blue Seats? My guest today played over a thousand games in the NHL, and in those thousand games, he accumulated 333 majors major penalties, fighting penalties, all of which he spent time defending his teammates. He got drafted in the second round, 27th overall by the Toronto Maple Leafs. He played three seasons with the New York Rangers in his generation. He may have been probably the most popular player in the NHL. Welcome to the show, Ty Domi. Thanks, Doogie. That's a very nice intro. I was looking forward to this, Doogie. Well, good. So do I. You know, when I look back at things that I know about you, because I've known, we've known each other since the 90s, but the one thing that I've always wondered and I've ever never asked you this how did Ty Domi become Ty Domi in the NHL at that youth level like at, at your youth hockey because I've seen pictures of you and you were this tiny little guy how did you become Ty Domi tiny little guy with a big head <laughs> uh, well it, it really started I was I was more of a street kid I was one of those guys that never backed down and always took care of my uh, my friends and uh, didn't like seeing my friends getting picked on and going to school I, I was dyslexic 
music. So, you know, all the academics of the world uh, always got teased. You know, they were the they were the ones who got teased a lot. And uh, I stuck up for them all the time, too, because they helped me get through school. You know, and then Junior C, I got an opportunity when I was 14 years old to play for Marcel Pronovo, a Hall of Fame hockey player. And uh, I was 14, and Junior C at the time was 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You know, out of fluke, I made the team at 14, and I ended up fighting all the toughest guys in the league at 14. And then 15 years old, I was playing junior B in Windsor, and I had 350 penalty minutes. So it kind of like, I don't know, I was kind of a born fighter. Then I went to junior A, and my first game, I fought the toughest guy in the league and, you know, three years in junior A. And I think that's where, you know, it really kind of my, I got the name of being a, a, a tough guy fighter. At the end of the day, it, you know, it's what got me to the NHL, but, you know, I was in, in junior, I played with Mike Ricci, who was a top junior player. He's my line mate. And you know, I did play hockey too. So eventually I, I got that opportunity to do that in the NHL. Not really so much in New York, but after I left New York, I got an opportunity to play more and, you know, establish myself as a hockey player. And that's why, you know, Craig Bruby and I are the two guys that, in our era as the role we played were the two guys that, that played a thousand games. And, you know, that's something that people ask me, you know, what was your favorite achievement, you know, playing the NHL? I think, you know, unfortunately I missed the cup in New York because <laughs> I asked to be traded, but, uh, you know, I did get to play over a thousand games, and I don't think I would have played over a thousand games if I if I stayed in New York and just was a fighter. Hey, Ty, it's uh, Brett Sergalis here. I'm just curious. You know, off the bat, too, I want to get to your your son, who is obviously becoming a star in this league now, and kind of in the same way you played the game. So, I mean, what do you see in your son and the way he plays now? And, you know, how much of that has been taken from you? Well, the only thing I do see in him is, uh, you know, he <laughs> he hasn't taken a shift off. And since I've watched him as a kid, he loves the game and he loves being around his teammates and he plays hard. And, you know, and unfortunately, there's no more, you know, guys like me to take care of guys like him and uh, his teammates. But, uh, you know, so he has to kind of defend himself and you know he does have that fuse and uh, I think he's gotten smarter and, and older and more mature to understand that he doesn't have to do it because <laughs> he busted his hand doing it and missed half the year so I think uh, he learned his lesson and I guess we all learn our lessons the hard way sometimes so he's uh, he's learning to calm down and uh, you know not let things bother him and just play and I think you know we the older we get the, the more we learn and I told him when I turned 24 25 that's when I really started figuring things out you know you you, you mature as you as you uh, play and I think the ex- more experience you get uh, and the more guys you're around uh, you- you'll learn and he's learning his way and he's making his own path and uh, it's fun to watch and you know <laughs> it's it's not something that uh, you know you-, you dream up and say oh I'm going to watch my kid in the NHL after my career it's happening so uh, I'm enjoying it and uh, I'm enjoying every day watching him and uh, you know I love watching hockey and when your son's playing it's even more enjoyable. Hey Ty Jake Brown here you can follow Ty on Twitter at the real underscore Ty Domian instagram at ty underscore dome we were fielding questions from twitter and the best one that i got here that i like from at billy c 147 what was more satisfying a solid punch to the face of the other team's tough guy or walking out of the china club with the hottest chick <laughs> well I can honestly tell you, I probably did. Uh, I probably walked out more with the hotter chick than I got punched in the face. <laughs> that was the good thing. But the China Club really was uh, was a memorable uh, time in New York, and you know, being in your early twenties and living the life, it was pretty cool hanging out in the China Club and uh, being around, you know, all kinds of different characters. And you know, Doogie and Gresh set the, set the bar real high. You know, they both married Kim Alexis and Carol Alt, so we're all just trying to be like those guys. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> trying to live that New York Ranger life, and it was pretty. It was pretty sweet. I got to be honest with you. Hey, Todd, we're going to get back to that in a minute, but I, I want to go back to you talking about your son, and I'd be interested in knowing you as a dad, being a dad to Max. What was it like for you having played in the NHL, teaching your son? And did you learn anything about your dad? Because I know you've written a book, you make a mention of your dad. What did you take from, from what you learned from your dad to transfer over into being a dad to Max? Well, my dad, uh, my my dad didn't watch him play hockey. He was a uh, working father that worked from six a.m. until you know we were going to bed. So you know he uh, he never drove me to hockey. He never drove me to soccer. He never drove me to anything really. He was always working. So I was very fortunate to have teammates and families that helped me get around and go to play sporting events. But my father, you know, he had that one DNA that was just you know get it done and work hard. And and uh, the, the one thing in my book that I, that I dedicated my book to my dad was uh, you know treat people how you want to be treated and it's uh, you know about the old school values and that was something you know the life lessons my dad went through and I went through and the life values and it was all dedicated to my father but the book was really you know I, I, after Bob Probert and Wade Belak died you know there was a lot of negative things about fighting and reasons to guys dying and stuff and so I I wanted to kind of shine a positive light over uh, the fighting and you know having the most fights in NHL history I was more protecting my teammates and you know I'm still I'm on the phone here talking to you guys and I enjoy every day and try and stay as positive as, as I can. And uh, I don't, and there's no rear view mirrors here. You know what I'm saying? I just did what I had to do. And now I'm doing what I have to do and trying to be, uh, you know, a good father, father to three of my kids and, and living life and uh, all going through what we're going through right now. And nobody predicted what we're all going through right now and being uh, held up in, in, uh, in a house now. <laughs> you think about a lot of things. And here I am uh, on a radio show with you guys and talking about, you know, up in the blue seats, which was a, a very fond memory to me. And those fans, fans in New York who were who did sit in the blue seats, you know, they were the ones who really inspired me and having my name chanted in that garden was a very special feeling and now seeing my son playing the NHL is pretty cool. And I know my father, you know, when I was playing for the Rangers, uh, my father died in 91 and I found out after a game against the Islanders, Roger Nielsen told me after the game in Madison Square Garden in New York, it all, it really has a really soft spot in my heart forever. And those people in the blue seats, uh, to this day, they're, they were still very special uh, to me and they still are. Yeah, Ty, talking about fond memories in the garden and probert you know what do you remember from those fights what do you remember from from that time most uh what sticks out the most well what sticks out the most i think is just you know that uh, madison square garden chanting your name and uh you know it was so loud it was like uh, people compared it to ollie fraser you know we had the meeting the night before well the first time we fought you know that was that was kind of crazy and then it was a, a full-out brawl you know out of the two games at the garden that, that we did fight the second one we met with gil stein who was the commissioner at the time the night before he said if you guys fight you're going to get 20 game suspension you're going to get fined so you know i was the young guy right we line up and and it was like, I don't know, 20 some seconds in the game. And when I got the tap on the shoulder to go for a face off in front of their bench, you know, you just felt the, the buzz of electricity in the garden. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, these fans, I hate to disappoint them because we'll probably end up going to third period. Before the pucks drop, Proby says, let's get it over with, Ty. Let's get it over with. I said, what? Let's get it over with. Let's get I said, Proby. Do you remember a meeting last night with Gil Stein, the commissioner? Uh, no, let's do it later. He's like, no, let's go right now. Let's go right now. Puck drops. He had his gloves off and he's swinging away. 
it's a good thing he couldn't hurt me with his punches. You know, I always told him that you can't hurt me, you can't hurt me. So I took a few until I got going. But uh, you know, that place was just crazy. You know, the, the, the garden was just going nuts. And you know, win or lose, uh, it doesn't matter uh, with those fans. They just you know love the heart. I think you know the first one I beat him, the second one, you know, he couldn't hurt me. I I hit him with a few hard ones, but at the end we were so tired it it looks like he beats me because we both fell at the end and he's a big guy out of the two games I always tell Proby after I got to know him pretty well after our careers and I told him I said Proby you know what the one thing about those fights are whether I won the first one or you won the first one or you won the second one or I won the second I said we won both games (laughs) and he goes yeah I know yeah I know (laughs) so we had good conversations about those you know but he did get me he did get me on one he he scored he scored the last goal at Maple Leaf Gardens you know we played against Chicago and he actually ended up scoring the last goal in Maple Leaf Garden. So he was playing for Chicago Blackhawks. I said, "Come on, Bobby, let's go. Let's end. Let, let, let's end this. It'll be the last guys to fight in this building." <laughs> so we ended up fighting, but uh, they ended up scoring the last goal too, which you know, still, uh, you know, he he remembered that one too. Another Twitter question, Ty, from Scott Eliano. Can you please ask him about the time he got arrested for fighting the chicken mascot in minor hockey? I think they were both apprehended. LOL. Oh, that's funny. So that was in Junior B, actually, when I was fifteen. We were playing in Tilsonburg, Ontario. You know, this big, huge chicken. I think he was like six foot six, and he was like in his 20s. He had a chicken outfit on, you know, with the chicken head and everything. I, w- I was in the penalty box after a fight, and he's sitting behind the penalty box, and he's using his hands. And, you know, I have a big head, obviously, and it's, since I've been a kid, and he's making fun of my head with his hands. And I'm like, okay, keep doing it. It's real funny, real funny. I said, that's a good one, you know. I said, how about you meet me after the game? And then I got another fight, and then he came in there again. He started doing it again, and I was pissed off. And I said, hey, after the game, you and I. He says, okay. So you used to have to go down the stairs to this place, that, to the to the locker rooms, after, you know, between periods and after the game. So I go down to the locker room. I take my skates off. I don't take anything else off. And my teammate said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to fight the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I went up the stairs. I went up the stairs. I got there. There's a chick with no head on. And I just went at him and beat the you-know-what out of him. So <laughs> and then all my teammates followed me up the stairs. And, uh, you know, the cops came and everything. So I'm in the back of the cop car. The chicken was so big, he couldn't sit. He couldn't fit in the back of the cop car. So he sat in the front with the cop. You know, he ends up seeing how old I was. And, and uh, the cop says to the chicken, he says, uh, you know that he's underage. He's 15 years old. You know that I can't do anything about this, right? He's like, how old is he? He said he's 15. <laughs> so I didn't even get to go back in the arena at the shower because all my teammates, we were in a cop car forever. All my teammates were on a bus already. So we went all the way back to Windsor and uh, I was on the bus with all my equipment for a couple of hours. <laughs> but that, that, who is that? Who is that fan that asked that question? That's a pretty, uh, that's an old question. Scott Iliano. I, I guess he knows about minor hockey. I don't know. Scott Iliano. He'll be glad wow. to hear that answer. That was a good answer. Yeah. Well, that's that's the, that's the answer. <laughs> hey, that the chicken was pretty big. He was lippy though. You know, I, I I jumped on like I flipped him. I jumped on top. And I hit him like twenty times. Like literally, I was just pounding away at him. So Ty, talking about your junior hockey days, um, I've become pretty good friends with Adam Graves. You know, he's one of the ambassadors as a New York Ranger, and he whenever he talks about you, he talks about his days not only playing with you as a New York Ranger, but he also played with you in junior hockey, correct? And he's told me a story or two about you and some incident off the ice where they got you guys got challenged by kids 
And sure enough, you stood up and you took out the biggest guy. I'm not going to go there. All I want to know is describe to me your relationship with Adam Grayson because he is so liked in New York. Well, Adam and I lived together in New York. And I don't know, you know, the fans that know Adam, uh, what you see is what you get. He is, like, you know, literally like a priest. And uh, he's as innocent as they come. And I was I was kind of a you know a wild child and uh, you know I, he couldn't control me but if there's anybody that can write a book on me it's definitely him in my three years in New York. <laughs> but he ended up uh, you know my sister or my cousin I wouldn't let any hockey players even look at them let alone date them. And Adam asked me one year you know he used to, Adam used to always rent a U-Haul and take this furniture back to Toronto and we were driving back after uh, the one year and uh, he's dropping me off and uh, he says hey Ty do you mind if I could buy this phone number I want to take her to dinner and a show <laughs> so, <laughs> you know he was pretty scared to ask me and i said yeah no problem you know the guy literally like a priest so the following year i got you know i was already, i was traded i ended up playing in new york and we're, i'm going for dinner with violet and my cousin who adam ended up marrying and um and adam and they had two cars i said what do you guys have two cars here for and i, I said i'll go with violet and adam says no no come with me come with me so <laughs> I'm like, what do you want me to go with you? Let me go with my cousin, right? And he's like, uh, no, no, come with me, please, please. So I, I drive with him. We we get out of the parking lot across from the garden, and at the first light, he says, I I, I just want to um, ask you if I can marry Violet. And he pulled out this this ring, diamond ring, flashed in my face, and I'm like, yeah, what the hell are you asking me for? <laughs> but, but that's how respectful he was. And, uh, you know, I, actually, I spoke to him the other day, and we're still close, and he's like a brother to me. And seeing him win the Stanley Cup after I left was, was uh very special and you know him and mess and leachy and ricky all those guys are they're all still good friends and my memories with what the rangers are special and adam grace could definitely uh write a book on my 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 off ice uh life in new york because he <laughs> he witnessed it all <laughs> which which would be rated r by the way as all good stories are ty <laughs> When you think about your time in New York with those guys too, is there is there any lingering regret that you weren't able to be there when they finally were able to win the cup? You know, I, I got to be honest. You guys had Neil Smith on last week, so I go to Neil. I go to Neil's office. You know, I wasn't playing much, right? And I was only playing against conference teams and the Islanders and uh, Flyers. And I said, like, you know, there's guys playing ahead of me that I knew I, I was better than. And you know, I wasn't one of those guys who who kissed the coach's ass. I was never one of those guys. I I just did my job and played hard and I was a good teammate so you know some other guys had you know relationships with the coach and stuff so they were playing ahead of me which was difficult to to, to take and watch so I went and said to Neil I can't do this anymore if you can you know can you move me and I said under one condition I said please don't trade me to Winnipeg because it's too cold there my mother says <laughs> and there's rumors about me going to Winnipeg well lo and behold what does Neil do he trades me to Winnipeg <laughs> so be careful what you ask for I'm still friends with Neil to this day, but I always tease him about it. But I ended up going there. And, you know, the year that I asked to be traded, we were in fourth place with the Rangers. And then we ended up missing the play. They ended up missing the playoffs. And when I went to uh, Winnipeg, you know, they won like 15 games in a row when I got there. And Timo Solani was a rookie and he ended up scoring 76 goals. So we ended up losing to Vancouver in seven games. But that was that was a real transition in my career. And, I, you know, it, it, it's not a satisfaction that the Rangers missed the playoffs after I left or anything or, you know, what happened. I just 
just changed my career on, a, on that trade, playing with Timo, and, and I got the opportunity to play with some more skilled players. And my career kind of evolved from there. Then I got to Toronto, and uh, and Pat Burns kind of changed my career. So you know, there's no there's no hard feelings. It was a, it was one of those things where you know it had to happen. And the fall, you know, the following year was a shortened season, and uh, Neil traded, and Neil did a good job in getting uh, all the you know key pieces to win the cup, and they ended up winning the cup. And I was I was more than happy. But I actually came to uh, one of the games in New York for it. You know, all those ush- all the ushers and everybody to work in the Madison Square Garden to this day you know they're still there when I was there you know they're like family those people and uh, I love seeing all of them they're, they're, they're a special special group of people there and when Max plays there I always go down there and, and watch and they treat me like I'm still playing so it's it, it's a very special place Madison Square Garden and you know being in that building and the staff there everybody's just first class there's, there's no other place like it really and I could attest to that going to games with Ron and seeing how they treat him I know they, they treat former players very well at the Garden uh, last one from me Ty on on Twitter from at Eric David Levy. What do you think of Ken Dryden's call to end fighting to prevent concussions? Well, I don't really want to um, talk about Ken Dryden because, you know, he's an ex-Montreal Canadian and we worked together in Toronto and, uh, you know, I wish we didn't because I always looked up to him when I was a kid. But uh, after working with somebody, I got to know him as a person and uh, it was a different uh, relationship. So, um, like my father said, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all. So, I'll leave it at that. So, you know, the fighting the fighting out of the game and the concussions, uh, obviously they've been trying to get rid of it uh, forever and it's still part of the game. It's a, a game with a lot of emotion, and you know the league wanted to police the game, you know, take out guys like uh, me, take, uh, protecting guys. So it, I, I just think guys are play a little more reckless now. Um, and when you had guys that were you know on the bench, it made guys think a little more on who they're hitting and when they're hitting them and how they're hitting them. And I think now it's a little more reckless, and you don't see much hitting anymore. But uh, come playoff time, it gets pretty vicious, as you see now, and uh, because it, it's for keeps, and everybody really, you know, it's like old school hockey when you get to the playoffs, but. During the regular season now, it's not like it used to be. It's for sure. It's a, it's a new game and it's a new world, and uh, everybody's adjusting to it. So you know, everybody has their opinion, and my opinion is, uh, you know, it is it is the best game in the world, and uh, I'll always say that and believe it. Not just because I play it, I'll always support it. Things change as you go in every sport. You know, you look at this last dance and Michael Jordan. You imagine Michael Jordan playing with the rules now in the NBA. It'd be like Mario and Wayne playing now. You know, you can't touch guys. So you know, when Mario and Wayne played, everybody's able to hook them and you know they had two guys on them all the time both of them you know what I mean and they still they still beat you and Michael same thing you know Michael you know, double team guys are jumping you see the Detroit Pistons on them and the Celtics you know it's just a total different game and uh, everybody's just adjusting to it and the tough part about it I think is for the referees because the referees got to make those judgment calls now that you know it's tough to, it's tough to make but with new rules you know change is never easy and the referees I think get the brunt of it it's not an easy job uh, in any of these professional sports you, whether you look at football basketball uh, and, and uh, hockey um, you know with the replays and everything it's, it, it's a difficult job so you got to really know what you're taking on when you're when you're uh, wanting to be a ref nowadays in any of these sports and Ty this leads me into my next question for you when you look at the game the way it's being played now could Ty Domi play in today's game being you at your very best in your prime in great shape could you play how do you see yourself in today's game 1,000% I could play, Doogie. Seriously. I was, a fast, I was the fastest skater on the team for many years in Toronto. I trained as a sprinter, and I was fast, and I was able to get in on a four-check. I played my best hockey in the playoffs. You know, that's when I didn't have to think about fighting because in the playoffs there was never any fighting. So people I say, how can you play so much better in the playoffs? Well, I played more, first of all. 
and there's no fighting that I had to think about. You know, all those thousand games I had to play, every single game I played, a regular season game, I had to think about I might have to fight. So that's that's a different mentality of thinking uh, before approaching a game. When you get the playoffs, you know, you're just thinking, getting in on the four check, finishing your hit, going to the front of it, causing commotion, and that's why, you know, I loved uh, I loved playing in, in the playoffs because uh, I got to play more and uh, I was effective. All right, Ty, on a, on a looser note here, I know you've, uh, especially after some time in New York, you became friends with some celebrities, Mark Wahlberg, one included, and, and you did a reality show with Doogie up in Canada. I'm just curious what kind of post-playing life has been like for you here obviously it's been continued to be entertaining to be honest with you mark Wahlberg, uh during this quarantine we've been facetiming almost every night and just to cheer each other up and have some laughs and uh you know I, i'm in shape now so you know i've been doing the tom brady stuff the tb12 and you know he teases me about that you know i and i never lifted weights in my life so i'm, I'm i don't lift weights but uh i've lost like 17 pounds now doing this uh, tb12 workouts which uh, you know if uh if you don't know what it is you can you can check it out because it's pretty simple and even when you're quarantined you could do it and uh it works so mark mark's teased me about about doing tom brady's workouts instead of his workouts but tom brady also got me off sugar too which mark couldn't do but mark and i've been friends since uh the early 90s when he was marking mark and uh he's like a brother to me and watching him wear all these different hats from you know being a, a rapper to a model to you know a, a, an actor and producer and he's just a great guy but uh, more importantly he's a he's a better person and a father and and a husband, so he's uh, he's he's he you know he is what you see, uh, what you get is what you see with him, and you know we're kind of both the same, and we became buddies actually from the China Club days, <laughs> and that's the same with Mario. Mario Lemieux still to this day, you know, he asked me in warm up at the Garden uh, if I could get him and ten of his teammates into the China Club, and I'm stretching at center ice, staring down their tough guy, and he just won the MVP in '91, '92, and he skated around, and I didn't hear what he said, and he came back, he did a big circle at center ice, and then. And then he uh, he said, no, Ty, seriously, because I was going to say, what? and I was on my knees stretching. He's like, no, Ty, seriously, can you get me and 10 of my teammates in the China Club tonight? You know, Monday night was a tough night to get him. So so I said, yeah, no problem. You know, that night he ended up scoring four goals, and uh, it was it was kind of a, a crazy night. We got, you know, they beat us pretty good, the Penguins did, and uh, after the game, a closed-door meeting, and uh, I still had my gear on, and after the meeting's over, all the media comes in, and the security guy comes at the garden there. He came to, came to me and said, Mary Lemieux's up the door. And I walked to the door and uh, I still have my skates on. Like, Mario's already showered, has a tie on, hair gelled and everything. He said, are we all set? <laughs> and I said, I said, no, I haven't called over yet, but just go, just go. And I'll set up, no problem. Because, you know, back in those days, we didn't have cell phones. So I had to go in the, in the trainer's room and I called over. They said, you're coming, you're coming, right? You're going to come by, right? So I ended up going by. You know, when I got there, he pulled me over, hugged me. And uh, and we've been, uh, he's been one of my best friends since. So it's the China Club has a lot of fond memories of, of uh, you know, relationships I have in my life. And Mark and Mary are two of those guys who are still my closest friends that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's ironic that, you know, the China Club had a lot to do with it. Ty, last question for me. I know you've written your book, Shift Work. Uh, it was a bestseller for five weeks. Congrats on that. And uh, you felt you wanted to tell your story. And I encourage people to go out and, and buy your book. But moving forward now, is there something on your heart about wanting to help others? Is there anything that you've been doing and sharing with others that uh, could use some advice? 
advice from you? Well, I actually, uh, you know, with people with mental health, uh, I've been trying to help as much as I can. That's why I started, uh, you know, on social media, on Instagram, and uh, I started doing things. And, you know, during my book, you know, people were saying, can you communicate more with us and stuff? So, I, you know, your positivity and stuff on your story. So I always try and stay positive, Doogie. And that's the kind of thing I do. I try and stay positive as I can and enjoy every day. And, you know, social media now, especially now when people are, you know, the whole world's going through this, um, you know, I, I, I do read all the messages and, you know, the thousands of messages that I do get. I try and respond to everybody now, which I never used to do before. But, you know, people just asking, please, Ty, you make my day. It has been a day or two since you haven't done a story. So, I do the stories, uh, you know, and I have fun with it because it cheers me up too. And so, you know, I'm, 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 we're all in the same boat and uh, I'm just trying to make people's day and keep people positive. And that's what it's all about. We're, we're all going to get through this together. And, uh, you know, nobody predicted this, but uh, we have to do it. Uh, and we're in it now. So we're just trying to get through this uh, together. And, you know, obviously I'm doing um, more talk shows and podcasts like you guys. And a lot of ex-hockey players have asked me to do a lot of things. So, I'm going to start doing a little more of that to kind of share stories and have fun just like I'm doing with you guys. Well, Ty, we're going to leave it there. I'm appreciating of your friendship. I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because uh, there is a shortage of leadership out there sometimes. And you've been a good role model. And I encourage you to just keep doing what you're doing. We all have to uh, help each other out. So good talking with you. We wish you the best. I appreciate that, Doogie. Thanks for having me, buddy, and Ron and Jake. Really nice of you guys to have me. I'm, I'm actually disappointed, Doogie. You didn't let me share stories about you. Well, that's because you're. I'm going to have you on again. Well, but come on, you got to talk about the Diana Ross party when when I was standing with you in '91 and she came over and grabbed you and slow danced at her birthday party. That was something. That's when I said I wanted to be. I want to be like Ron Duguay. Oh, <laughs> you know? please, please do share this story. I've I haven't heard about that. We've heard Cher and Farrah Fawcett. I didn't know Diana Ross fancied Ron too. Well, you, you know when you know when you know Johnny Carson asks Frank Sinatra, you know when he gets in a romantic mood, you know who does he listen to or who does he want to, you know, what record he puts on. I, you know, I would say I want to be Ron Dugate when I started my NHL career. <laughs> and then him and Gresh, they both, they both ended up marrying the models. And, uh, you know, it was well known about Gresh and, you know, the Gene Simmons, the story about the Ferris Fawcett and the Morgan Fairchild. That was, you know, then he ended up marrying Kim Alexis. So the guy is just, a, the guy's an icon. So, you know, who doesn't love Doogie? The nicest guy on the planet. So Doogie, thanks for having me, buddy. Oh, and by the way, Al Morgani, I'm doing his show in Philly tomorrow. And he told me a story about you that I thought was very, uh, very, uh, very interesting because the Philly fans, you know, as much as they don't like you, they, they love you there, right? They're the best fans. I, I love playing in Philly, but <laughs> the dude looks like a lady. They played every time you went on the ice, the Aerosmith song. That, that is the best. Al Morgani told me that story and I said, Doogie, you are a legend. No, there's nobody that gets that song played for them, especially in Philly. Yeah, listen, <laughs> it was not easy for me to go to Philadelphia because they were actually whistling at me like you'd whistle to a woman that's what they would be doing yeah doogie and trust me every woman in that building with their husband or boyfriend or not they all want to go home with you that's what's saying so don't take that as an insult okay okay well here's the problem some of those <laughs> some of those girls had a guy playing for the flyers who was trying to hurt me on the ice <laughs>
And so <laughs> it was it was a hostile environment for me to be in Philly. So that's why I played some of my best games there because you had to man up. Like, you had to be ready. You had to play on your toes. And if you weren't ready, someone was coming after me. So that's why I ended up fighting a couple of the tough guys just to let everybody know. I wasn't going to be intimidated or pushed around. Yeah, so yeah I, I was impressed seeing you, actually. I was impressed seeing you fight the guys in Philly. I was very impressed, you know, especially when he fought Cochran. Like, he was a tough dude. So, But, Doogie, uh, you and Gresh were inspiration to to all of us that played in New York, you know, especially, you know, your track records off the ice. You guys had Hall of Fame benches, and you guys are legends. Well, you know, the thing the thing I say, Ty, is that if you're going to do it off the ice, if you're going to play off the ice, you better show up and do your work and play hard, and then you go celebrate afterwards. And so that's why I played hard when I was on the ice. That way, I, I didn't feel guilty about going out afterwards. Occasionally, I'd go to Studio 54. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, 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 we transitioned to Studio 54, we transitioned the China Club into the, you know, the modern day Studio 54 when I was there. But the Southgate Hotel across from uh, Madison Square Garden where we stayed in the afternoon, you know, for our pregame naps, that's where we mostly stayed. I, I was the I was the one that always kept it for after the game too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, see, with you, you weren't you weren't getting a lot of ice time, so you had a lot of extra energy to burn. Yeah, in the afternoon too. Gravy, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gravy, gravy was my roommate there too. He needed some sleep. <laughs> they started giving us a huge suite, the big suite, so we had different bedrooms in the afternoon. <laughs> Great hey, story. Ty, we're getting we're Ty. We're getting into another category right now we're getting into another show <laughs> and so we're gonna save That's it great. Gonna have you back uh, i love it i love it guys take care and, and have gravy on if you want to hear the real stories have gravy on gravy gravy will give you this real stories or maybe he won't because you know he's very pg all right Good talk <laughs> all right you. guys take care god bless Episode 21 of Up in the Blue Seats. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for producing the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen. If you're using Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars and write a really nice review, please. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at RonDuguet10. Thanks for joining us. Stay inside. Stay safe. Chat with you all next week.